You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Mickey. Hey, Bob. Uh, how you doing there? And what accounts for you, your unusual look today? You've got a mask on, you've got a heavy coat on, you've got gloves on. It's quite a sight. Sorry, Bernie, Bernie's a little hard of hearing. I lost my sound. Um, oh, that was a Bernie impersonation. Jesus. That was good. Well, you know, you know what I thought. Look, first of all, before we taped, I said, you look cold because you got a coat on. You said, well, yeah, actually, like my heater's not working. So that part was true. And then I thought you put on a mask as a reference to this uh, possible new and troubling version of the coronavirus that may be circulating in Los Angeles, right? No, there no- is such a thing. Nothing that topical. This is last week's meme. Uh, last week's a, meme today. That's our motto. A meme, a meme so old that it's new again. Yeah, it's it's re- we're we're going retro with this meme, and then we're next week we're going meta retro. Um, always ahead of the curve. Anyway, but I am cold, so I may keep this Bernie Park on for a while. It's a good look. Uh. It's 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 uh it's cold here. And no we we've we're turning the corner on the virus, Bob. But isn't there a distinctive LA variant? Not that I know of. Maybe I heard that is. on the radio today. You better check. There'd uh, be trouble. I think it, on, Yeah. I mean not one of the foreign variants that's come here, but a homegrown variant? Uh I think so, yeah. That's the way they're describing it. Not 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 the British, not the South African. I'm so not, proud. Not the Brazilian. That's the scary one. Not the one. Brazilian. No, and I think, you know, on balance, I thought the news over the last couple of days was encouraging. I mean, there are kind of mixed interpretations of the of the vaccine news. But basically, we've got two new vaccines online that are worth taking. And uh, the Johnson and Johnson, I thought, was disappointing. Well, I mean, what do you mean by disappointing? I mean, in the I mean, U.S. population... It had 72% effectiveness, not as good as Moderna and Pfizer, but those were mind-blowingly good. Now, all these vaccines, at least most of them, seem less effective uh, against the South African variant. But even there, it's at least 50%. And before these vaccines started coming online, when you ask health experts, like, what percentage efficacy warrants us, like, warrants using it for mass inoculation, they always said anything above 50%. So even... Even uh, with the South African variant, these are better than nothing. What's that, so what's like with the with the polio vaccine? How effective was that? My impression is you took the polio vaccine and you would not get polio. Yeah, I think there's never been. Well, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Never mind. I think the idea is that with coronavirus or with flu type vaccines, um, you don't you just don't quite hope for that. But but that but that. 71% is not a bad number. And remember, on top of uh, the question of, ha- of how much it reduces your chances of getting infected is the question of if you're infected, how much does it reduce your chances of getting seriously ill and having to be hospitalized? And I think with pretty much all of these, that is the second bit of good news, is that even if you do get the thing, you're better right. off. So well, I'm, I, I'm feeling good. Is one of those the Novavax? Well, Novavax was the other one that over the last two days was, uh, announced and it's, uh, it, it, in Britain, I don't, I don't know that they did a U.S. test, but in Britain, the efficacy was over 80%. Uh, mm-hmm. and I think 
in the uh in South Africa it was um I don't know what it was, but it was it was I think maybe around sixty or something. Okay. But uh but, so th- no- those are good numbers. And and the J and J vaccine is you only need one, it you don't have to keep it, you know, super cold. Right. A lot of advantages. Novavax was my candidate for the red vaccine because the Trump vaccine because the the Johnson and Johnson one somehow involves fetal cells, so um, mm. uh, and and we, if we you know, and the uh, and the first two were pushed by Fauci, so we can't have that. So uh, anyway, no. I guess that's all good news. In California, we were doing terribly uh, on the immunization front. I mean, everybody bitches about Cuomo and Virginia, and they seem semi-disastrous, but not completely. And California's numbers were worse than them. Uh, but we there's also a petition to recall the governor, which looks like it's going to go through. And the governor suddenly got a fire lit under him, and, and we're now ramping up and doing much better I, on the I, vaccine. I front. thought I saw your percentages improving. Congratulations yeah. on that. Um, and uh, it's still a mess, and, you know, uh, but... Um, I was hoping that the local uh, Beverly Hills drugstore would have some sort of secret pipeline into the vaccine, but they don't seem to. Uh, and there are no mass vaccination sites on the whole west side of L.A. So uh, that's a million and a half people. And uh, they are really are concentrating the vaccinations in areas of high poverty and a lot of Latinos and blacks, which is where the high prevalence is. So you can't really say that they've skewed it to the rich. Uh, what does what does max vac- vaccination site mean? Like like in a in a sports arena and people just yeah. line up, so you can yeah. get it near where you are. There are places for you to get it. It's just that you- it's hard. I mean, Harrison Ford, the actor, went to Torrance, which is a an up and coming yuppified neighborhood, but not a, previously a white working class neighborhood, and uh, waited in line for two hours in his car. So that's what you can do. Uh, no, I, some people, some people wait four hours in line. Some people wait two hours in line. You can go to Dodger Stadium. Uh, there, there, you know, there, there are a bunch of them opening up, but none on the west side. Now, are you in, uh, in theory, avail, uh, uh, <laughs> eligible now? Well, that's private information, Bob. But, uh, uh, but yes. <laughs> well, so am I. Turns out. I mean, they radically loosened the criteria. It seems kind of dumb because. Now so many people are eligible, at least in New Jersey, that, um, you know, it's you get all excited when you hear you're eligible. And then they yeah. say, yeah, we'll get back to you in a couple of months. I thought of I thought 65 and older was the. Yeah, the but now they've, they, they've expanded the list of uh, comorbidities. And you want to know what cor- comorbidity I have, Mickey? Uh, yes, but I don't necessarily need to know it in public. Exactly. It- That's parrot room content, Mickey. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh you're um you're desperate for income how about that <laughs> there are a few that, things that that your comorbidity. to get pe- um, people in, the, to go to patreon.com slash parrot room and sign up for our after hours podcast but that, mickey you know the bad news on the covid front um new variants from brazil no it's worse than that uh i don't know them here it is i am forced to conclude and i do so only reluctantly that Anthony Fauci either is not listening to our podcast at all or is actively resisting my guidance. In what sense? 
Well, last week, as you may recall, after he had said he felt liberated to be able to speak his mind without, you know, a president looking over him and censoring him, I said, now, Dr. Fauci, if you want to maximize your credibility among as many Americans as possible, which, after all, is your kind of official duty, right? If you're serious about being a public health officer and you're and you're the chief messenger about all this, um, you should not be casting any aspersions at all on Trump. Just stay out of politics. Now, what headline did we see in the New York Times this week, Mickey? Fauci on what working for Trump was really like. Denialism, death threats, a powder-filled letter. Dr. Anthony Fauci describes a fraught year as a pandemic advisor to former President Trump. Then, that was the subhead, the sub-subhead was, in an hour-long conversation with the New York Times over the weekend, Dr. Fauci described some of the difficulties and the toll of working with President Donald J. Trump. Not what I recommended. He may be working with an old... It's very hard to resist the lure of the mainstream media, uh, and he's... Never been one to, I don't think, to shy away from publicity, but also he may be working on the old model where sucking up to the New York Times was the way to get your message out, uh, which is no longer true for half the country. So uh, he doesn't um, need to worry about megaphones at this point. I actually listened to it because they ran the interview on the on the daily podcast and it wasn't that bad. He was actually much more careful than you'd think. But still, he should know how the New York Times is going to play this if he says a single negative thing. Right, right, right. That's that's always the hardest thing with interviews, though. Yeah, well, that he just should have known. He just should you not talk about Trump. He should not talk about Trump. I'm sorry. Now, uh, um, so that rule does not apply here. No. So anyway, uh, you know, the numbers, I'm cautiously optimistic that the numbers are right now as bad as they're going to be. Hospitalizations numbers improving pretty rapidly. Deaths seem to have more or less plateaued. I think the, there's this the weird thing with hospitalizations in, in LA where the hospitalizations are falling, uh, but at, they they still claim there are no ICU beds available, hmm. uh, and the ICU beds from COVID are falling. So I assume that means that when the COVID beds fall, they just fill up the ICU as they should with other people who need. Uh, intensive care. So, but we're, we're sort of locked in this permanent thing where it looks like we have no ICU beds available, but in fact, it's not because of COVID. It's because of other things that were delayed. Maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. People suddenly get into car crashes. I don't, how do you fill up an ICU on a, on a, you know, uh, what's the word? Uh, on a dime? On a, no, uh, on a, on a, um, uh, postponable surgery that that doesn't put you in the icu so what does I mean, I don't no uh i don't know what is the word discretionary uh, elective is the term we're elective there you go so uh mickey hey we haven't lost it we me. haven't lost a thing uh okay. it takes us no more than 10 to 12 minutes to <laughs> to remember words that your average seven-year-old can spontaneously utter now mickey I, are you wearing remember, lapels are you wearing lapels I, what is it i, I remember good you took your your winter coat off, and are those lapels? What's what's the story there? It's a lapels. It's a sports coat. Why? You've Why? heard of them. Why? I just felt like it. Okay. And it was gray. It seemed Bernie-like. It's more the color of Bernie's coat. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, the I remember when your daughter, speaking of seven-year-olds, when your daughter was around seven or six, uh, she started talking about the placebo effect. 
She did? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty impressive. That's the kind impressive. of thing you would remember more than I would. I thought actually. it was pretty impressive for a seven-year-old to talk about the placebo effect. Uh, I wouldn't but put what, it past her. What can she I say? Still, if this is the older one, uh, she still uh, knows more about this COVID thing than I do. It's the older one. Yeah. Um, um, so should we turn to politics? Sure. Because I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking uh, this is America's happy ending. No. Okay. That was, I know that what was, you're thinking. That, you know, that you was, that know was what the, you're, you want to know what you're thinking? Uh, you're not going to. Okay, go ahead. Yes. No, go ahead. Tell me. What, what am I thinking? thinking? What I know. You're, you're the one thinking it. You tell me. Um, Wrong. I, I'm thinking uh, uh, that, Bob, that we're all looking for our Doug. D-O-U-G? Yes. Because uh, Kamala, Kamala Harris found her Doug. Is that Douglas, the name of her husband? Douglas Emhoff and his daughter has oh. now gotten a modeling contract because all of a sudden Washington is chic. And no, I think, America's a meritocracy. I'm guessing she's just the best model right now. That's probably how this happened. Uh, that is probably, and I'm sure Douglas, there are no imperfections in his record. And, and if the press really examines him, boy, he'll be perfect. Do you have Doug dirt? That's all I can say. That's all <laughs> I'm have, saying, Bob. Do you have That's all Doug, I'm saying. You get the pun, Mickey? Do you have Doug Dirt? I <laughs> Either way you spell Doug, we're in business. Why don't you elaborate on your Doug Dirt? Not going to elaborate. I'm just saying they should Mickey. dig on they should dig on Doug. Sounds like we may get into this um, in the parrot. No, room, no. Come on. Promise. You it. know you know why? You know why, why we're not going to get into it? Because there are libel laws in this country, Bob. That's why. Hey, I'm going to disclose my comorbidity, and you're you're not going to take a modest risk of being impoverished. Um, that's one of the risks I try not to take. That's why I'm in this lucrative enterprise. Uh, so anyway, I'm looking for my Doug. That's all. Well, anyway, here's what I thought you were thinking. I thought you were thinking. Why is it that Bob, who actually knows much less about politics than me? was able to confidently predict weeks ago that the Republicans would not go along with the impeachment, that, that Trump would not be indicted in the Senate, whereas I, Mickey, who supposedly knows so much about politics, was saying there was actually a chance they could get 17 senators to go along. I, I assume you'll agree with me now that that ain't happening. Well, there was a chance, but the chance vanished, and uh, and and the— uh, There was no chance. And the— um. Well, the, the, if you remember, you said that McConnell. I was wrong. You were right. Okay, let's get that out of the way. Thank you. But uh, but you said if McConnell flipped against Trump on impeachment, mm-hmm. i.e., toward convicting, he wouldn't bring anybody along. That's not going to be tested because the Trump loyalty of the voters was so great that I, McConnell's not going to flip on impeachment. He's going to support Trump too. Well, right, but the but that very same fact, the intensity of the support of the support for Trump, tells you that there's no way McConnell could have strong armed right. him into doing this. Right. So, correct. So I would have been right. I would have been shown right if correct. if Mitch had gone out on a limb. Correct. Then the question becomes why why are the Democrats going ahead with it since it's a foregone conclusion that Trump will be acquitted, i.e., there won't be two thirds to convict, uh, and there was a a crazy. So crazy it might be plausible theory uh, from Andrew McCarthy of N- National Review that uh, 
you know, it, this will just keep Trump alive. It will make Trump bigger than ever when he's acquitted and give him a stage, uh, which will distract from Biden's agenda. And that those are all things Pelosi wants because she wants Trump to be big, to divide the Republicans. So he's an albatross around their neck. And they want to distract from Biden's early agenda, which is not too popular. It's all this woke uh what what Andrew Sullivan describes as his woke rampage, which is somewhat overstated. It's his slow ramp up of the vaccine. I mean, you know, he's not going to make any huge strides early on, uh, if any at all. And uh, it's 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 a it's a bunch of bills that aren't going to be wildly popular immediately. But that's the theory. I don't buy the theory, but that's the you know Nancy Pelosi paying three D chess. Yes, let's give Trump a platform. Uh, I think I think they just sort of. They're, they they may cave. They may they may not have actually have the trial. I I think it's what they should do is is follow the the guidance the the idea of Angus King, who says I really f- want to find out what happened on January sixth. I want to know what Trump knew. Uh, I want to know were there any communications between Trump and the people in the riots. Uh, well, can they you know, really get their hands on on evidence that's very illuminating here? Well, I think there's a lot of evidence. Sure, they got all they have everybody's you know Twitter feed and they're in there. They probably were well, tapping phones and they could probably go well, and plus Trump retrieve can't use some executive privilege, presumably to deny them to to right. All right. Uh, so I think they could find out a lot, and, and it would probably be a dry hole. But I want to know if it's a dry hole. I mean, it's a. It you know they, they discovered that the pipe bombs outside the RNC or the, the, the DNC I don't know there were two pipe bombs they were set the night before so you mm-hmm. can't say that Trump on January sixth instigated pipe bombs that were put there on January fifth but were there any communications between Trump and the rioters before January sixth I mean mm-hmm. you could go back a couple of weeks uh, uh, I, I that's a that's a very valuable enterprise and. As uh, Paul Kane of the Washington Post pointed out, they have had committees. Inve- they could just give it to an investigative, special investigative committee, saying, "Here, you have the trial. Uh, you know, go take your time, take six months. We don't care, uh, and uh, and find out what the hell happened, and then come back to us, and then we'll have a vote." I mean, that would be a much more reasonable thing to do than rushing this. You know, wasting a week on a nonsensical vote that where it's a foregone conclusion and it gives Trump another platform. And, yeah. you know, it's it seems uh, that's my constructive suggestion. Yeah, well, I, I also heard that maybe they'd even settle for a censure. But I think all of those alternatives are long shots. I, I just think it sounds like there's too much momentum behind the current scenario. Um, I continue to think that a, a one constructive role could be, um, you know, pedagogical. If they can convince a few people uh, who currently think the election was stolen, that story's a little more complicated. And, or, or just demonstrate how many times Trump has said things that are manifestly not true. That would be value added. But I basically have thought, uh, you know, for a long time that impeachment's just a bad idea. And I would love to think that Nancy Pelosi is playing 3D chess, but I just think uh, very little cognitive activity was involved in this decision. And she was basically going... On her, on her, on her gut, and and look, if I had been in that capital and felt my yeah, life no. was endangered, I'd be pretty pissed off too. But I don't think it's unless this is three D chess, and she wants a Trump 
who is strong enough to stay active enough to tear apart the Republican Party. Right. Is that the scenario? That's the Andy McCarthy theory. Maybe. It, it is certainly – well, I don't I, – I mean, maybe that would happen. I don't think that's the plan. I mean, what what has clearly happened is that impeachment has become an opportunity for Trump to clearly demonstrate that he is still the man. If they hadn't yeah. impeached him, he wouldn't have been able to demonstrate that. But the Senate vote demonstrates it. What's his name going down to uh, Florida to pose with him uh, demonstrates it. Um, well, but he, I mean, at some point he would have proved that, that he had the uh, the fealty of the voters. It's The Republicans, the dilemma is pretty obvious, right? They would like to get rid of Trump. They can't get rid of Trump because he's popular with voters. And if they come out too strong against Trump, uh, the voters might stay home as they did in Georgia, which cost them Georgia. So and the majority in the Senate. So. They, to them, two years is a short time horizon. They basically are seem to be resigned to sucking up to Trump for two more years until the midterms, in the hopes that he'll encourage voters to come out of the midterms. A, he's not reliable because they didn't do it in Georgia, and B, I think if there was some kamikaze politician who wanted to go after Trump. There's space to do it right now. You can't wait for a year because in a year, if you attack Trump and have a big fight, it'll just demoralize the voters. You have to, you have to sort of diminish Trump now so that the hardcore Trump voters have time to recover by the midterms. Uh, and I don't know who that kamikaze is. Uh, but, uh, so, you know, Trump, he had two big fuck ups, uh, after the election. He did the, the, the the Georgia thing, which was inexcusable. He just just sort of willfully cost Republicans the majority in the Senate. That's well, he, a, went, he went through the motions of trying to help them. I mean, Lynn Wood is the, is a better example of somebody who really actively undermined the candidate. But he, he had two rallies where he knew that if he if he if he sort of said that the vote was rigged, that was a mistake. He shouldn't do it, and he did it. And after after the election, he said he was glad. Those Republicans lost because they didn't support him enough anyway. Okay, well, fuck him. Okay, uh, so there's that, and the, the and the, the the second thing was January sixth, uh, which was a, a you know yeah, a yeah I remember that yeah where he went over over the edge so um, or the culmination of him going over the edge with the with the stop the steal business so you have the ammo to attack him. Uh, and, and so some, some yeah, ammo doesn't help. I mean, the, the numbers speak for themselves. These people, uh, just, um, you know, he said I could walk down Fifth Avenue shooting people. They'd still if, love me. Turns out he's more or less right. If it goes down from 40% who think that to 30% who think that that's, that would be a big improvement. Of the and country, of the country or of the party? 40% of the party. Maybe well, of the country. I think it's higher than forty percent of the party of the country. right now. Okay, let's say of the a country. A lot. Uh, let's say of the country. If it went down from eighty percent of the party to sixty yeah, yeah, percent of the party, yeah. But what kamikaze figure wants to be the person who takes his his party support down from like eighty percent to seventy percent? You, it still was a kamikaze mission. You're dead. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who that person would be, and it couldn't <laughs> yeah. be a it couldn't be a never Trumper because the never Trumpers have no credibility at all. Uh, right. So I, I don't quite know who that would be. Uh, um, Someone crazy 
who supports Trump. Now, the good news is many crazy people support Trump. I just don't think they're crazy well, in exactly that for way. For example, I mean, Ann Coulter is already on this case. She trashes Trump pretty much at every available opportunity. She has Excellent. some credibility. She was for Trump. So, I, you know, I don't think she's on a kamikaze mission, but she's she's doing what should be done. I don't know if that's enough. I don't think it's obviously not enough. Well, but, but you need um, a politician in the plane, right? You need a, you need a. If somebody was on Fox, Tucker could do it. He'd lose his ratings, get fired, but he could do he it. Won't. Plus, Fox's strategy increasingly seems to be to suck up to Trump to stop the migration to OAN and Newsmax. Uh, correct. So you know that's the dilemma. But my point is, Ross Douthat wrote a column where he basically was fatalistic, saying. There's no space. Uh, everybody who's 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 a Trumpist has to suck up to Trump, and its example was Josh Hawley sucking up to Trump with the "Stop the Steal, Don't Authorize the Votes" business. But Tom Cotton's a populist; he didn't fall for that. So you, you there was there was space to avoid that, uh, and I think there's also space if you do it right now. You can't wait until like six months before the election. You gotta, if you're gonna take out Trump, you have to, politically, um, you have to do it soon. Well, keep us posted if you see somebody in that, uh, in that airplane. I don't, I don't think you're going to see maybe somebody, prominent. maybe somebody who's about to be fired from Fox anyway. <laughs> I mean, like, get it a few broadcasts before they get the sack. Here's the question. If Trump wants the nomination, can he have it? Given the numbers we're looking at now, if they don't change, I mean, he could, right? If he's not in, not impeached and barred from office, yes, of course, he's not going to be convicted. The um, well, there's the you know, the 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 censure is designed to somehow trigger the Fourteenth Amendment, so you have a hmm. court case over whether Trump encouraged sedition. Well, uh, if, if Nancy Pelosi is playing three D chess, I say be careful what you wish for, because once he's got the nomination in the current climate. Who knows? First of all, the Democrats will probably nominate a terrible candidate. That's what they do. And secondly, just, uh, you know, our environment is very wild. Weird shit can happen, you know? Look at GameStop. What? Are we sure they're not going to nominate Joe Biden? They could. And th and he would be at that point a terrible candidate. Because, you know, at that point, uh, he's, you know, going to be uh, not even at our level cognitively, Ooh. Mickey. Who, who knows? I mean, some of these new miracle drugs. The um, uh, the uh, one of our readers made a a, an, a a very astute. I thought, well, they had a very had a criticism of the of my attitude, which is my attitude is always to look for the flaws in the Democrat and look for the good things in Trump. He's right about that. Um, uh, well, yeah, you're a Trump supporter. I, there's that, but also it's also I, I react against whatever the media is saying. Mm -hmm. uh, so I claim that if the media said Biden was in trouble, which a lot of it is doing, uh, I would normally react against that and and defend Biden. I think that's true. It's way too early. There's all this. Uh, there are all these attacks on Biden that he's blowing it because he he's gone he's gone with these woke initiatives and the the amnesty where, thing where are these attacks i haven't seen many well andrew sullivan launched a big one and uh and they're they, they're that's all not, over it's not exactly the new york times turning on him no that's right but they're um but the 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 press is the press is more anti biden than i would have thought they're giving him 
grief for uh, for dramatically proposing a vaccine goal that Trump had already achieved. That was pretty. That he deserved was, that. That was just uh, asking for and, it, and obviously, and obviously spinning it. I mean, saying we had no plan. They left us with nothing. No, they left you a plan, and you're improving it a bit. So, um, stop spinning. Uh, and um, you know, there'll be there'll be there there will be other uh, points about how he's 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 not exactly showing a lot of leadership on the school closure issue. I mean, he said, well. I'm going with the union schools should stay closed. And then he got like a blowback from that. So he walked that a few feet in the other direction. Um, School's uh, open here. I just noticed like we got an elementary school right there. It seems to be open. When did that happen? It's, anyway, got, I'm. Yeah. It's not often that I defend Biden. So. Um, don't give me grief for it. I'm not giving you grief. It sounds like somebody else gave you uh I'm not. No, oh, I see. No, 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 no. I encourage it. I encourage it. Uh, I mean, he, he needs that. You can't. We, you can't overreact to these early signals. We don't know how his presidency is going to turn out. No, and there's some things I'm a little happy about. He's he's apparently uh, he's naming uh, Rob Malley as the Iran envoy, and to do that, they had to withstand the predictable character assassination from you know from Hawks, uh, and it was a pretty concerted effort. And they did it. So that's good. What um, did you think about this cybersecurity official whose family uh, charity gave $500,000 to APAC? That's only vaguely familiar. I kind of saw the headline and believe it or not, maybe didn't read the piece. Can you fill me N- in? N- NBC reported that. And obviously uh, somebody uh, with, as they said, a lot of juice came down on NBC with a like a ton of bricks. Because they published this mealy mouth editor's note saying uh, they they should have quoted more people who were on our side her side. Well, they quoted one. How many do you need? And they should have given her more time to respond. And uh, they had too many anonymous sources. So we are this didn't meet our standards. And they basically they did what they did to Ruth Shalit Barrett's piece, which is they they took it down and put it in the archives. So they basically sort of retracted it, which was complete. Complete bullshit because the, the the central point of the article, which is this woman who's a some cybersecurity official in the Biden administration, her they did give five hundred thousand to APAC, and that is, to my mind, an issue. Well, who was they though? Her, she did, or somebody she's related to? She's from a very rich family, and the family charity gave it to APAC. Oh. Uh, but her father made all the money. She well, if she's it. super high ranking, it's it's worth knowing, I guess. I mean, doesn't it's a it's a day story. It's not a yeah. big deal, but she shouldn't yeah. get it retracted. She brought it brought it much more publicity, of course, by by attacking it. Now, on that front, uh, there was the the this is a minor thing, um, especially compared to the uh, the Rob Malley uh, appointment makes up for it. But the um, the ambassador to um, to Israel, the U.S. ambassador to Israel, right after Biden was inaugurated, they changed uh, his Twitter feed from, you know, represents the U.S. to Israel to to add that he's also the the representative uh, so far as uh, Gaza and the West Bank goes, which is factually accurate. It's not I, I assume it's not the same kind of status officially, but he's the guy for them. Uh, and within like 
hours that was taken down and restored to the way Trump had had it, just mentioning Israel, and the State Department claimed it had been inadvertently edited. And that's why the and and I would I would just love to know. It's not a not a huge deal, but I would love to know what what the nature of the pressure was. You know, who made the call? What the uh, you know? I would love to know. So would I, but I didn't realize that that had happened. Yeah, that was a little bit strange. Um, but so, but so far, Tony Blinken hasn't done anything bad. He seems to have done some fairly good things, right? Well, he is. I mean, one another good thing before I get to a questionable thing is uh the um you know they are reviewing the the i mean this is an automatic this is low-hanging fruit you would think but who knows um there was probably pressure um they are reviewing the trump administration's designation of the houthis as a terrorist organization which would be good because if they rescind that then you can get humanitarian aid into yemen much more readily that's good um they are uh the new start treaty they are renewing. Trump had tried to derail that. That's good. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Blinken has said, oh, we're not going to make the first move with Iran. Like, we're not going to restore sanctions until they do something. And, and when you think about it, no, we should make the first move. We, we were in the deal. Everyone was complying. We reneged under Trump. We, The U.S. reneged. And you have inherited the U.S. is, you know, you are the U.S. now, and and we're the bad guys in this deal. Sorry, but there are ways to there are ways to seem tough and eh, to, maybe to, they. To, I, to, I assume uh, they're smart enough to, to accept accept anything yeah. as the first move. You know, yeah, um, we'll see. But um, he kept the Abram Accords. <laughs> are you excited What's about that? <laughs> no, I just think it's an. It, it, he didn't come. He hasn't come into office with the idea that. Uh, the rest of the Biden administration seems to have, which is anything Trump did was bad. Uh, we're going to go in the opposite direction, which is a common failing of incoming. Well, but wait, but look at some of the prices that were were paid for that. The um, the first of all, we're giving a bunch of what is it, F thirty fives to UAE or something. <laughs> we're giving we're giving them a bunch of our defective, overpriced planes. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, but the wor- the worst thing is, I think it's um. Sudan. I don't know the details, but, we're, but that's in review. They're reviewing that the arms, the F thirty five part. Okay, but in a way, even worse is the um, Sudan thing. I don't remember the details, but it it involves Trump having totally bought into to appease to pay off Sudan into something that uh, pretty plainly violates uh, international law, having to do with some territory that Sudan either has annexed or wants to annex or something. So that that's I, I hope I don't have that wrong, but but that's bad too. Um, so so we we paid some uh, very dubious prices, uh, you know, for this Abraham Accords thing. Would you not have done that accord? I wouldn't have done those two things. So you wouldn't have gotten the accord. Um, it might well be that that would go down in my on my record <laughs> that I had. No, I would I would be spending my capital. Uh, I would be focusing my Israel-related capital on, uh, like, the West Bank, uh, if I were, if I were president. Yeah, it's true. I, I would, I would not be, if you're asking, would I do everything Bibi Netanyahu tells me to do, as Trump more or less did, the answer is no. I, I would be doing things he didn't want me to do, which is like trying him, to get him to, um, I mean, look, the, the coronavirus is such a perfect example. I mean, this is just criminal. 
they are the Palestinians. You know, if you're in the West Bank, if you live in the West Bank and you want a vaccine, there's a very simple question. Are you Jewish or are you a Palestinian Muslim or a Palestinian Christian? If you're in the last two categories, you don't get a vaccine. Is and, that really and, true? And more or less right now. Yes. And the um, and, and remember, Israel is the government that rules them. I mean, they that, also don't get to vote, but it's makes, the government that rules them. That makes zero epidemiological sense, because if if the virus spreads among the Palestinians, it's going to infect everybody. Well, but they permit so little contact now. I mean, certainly on the West Bank, the, there are, you know, you, you can't, it, it's like separate high, well, not separate highways. I, I think the, the, the things that merit the term highways are, are pretty, pretty much reserved for the Jewish settlers, unless they've changed this. But the, the infrastructures are totally... I mean, there, it's true there's some Palestinian workers probably in the settlements. And, and there is an Israeli official who, I forget who, who pointed out that it would be an Israel's self-interest to deal with this problem. And slowly it will get dealt with. But right now, it's a super clear difference. Uh, I suspect it's a violation of international law in its own right, as the settlements are. But anyway, have I adequately answered your question as to whether I would have followed in Trump's footsteps on my uh, Israel policy? If I were um, president. For now. Uh, um, I mean, it, it, well, there must have been, there was, there was some value in making it clear to the Palestinians that Saudi Arabia is not going to stand behind you anymore. <laughs> you know? What what With, value is there? Well, so, a negotiating strategy, it reduces their bargaining leverage. Oh, yeah. And the, and the big problem is, is, is all of their outrageous demands, right? No, what, what is their outrageous? Come, what is their outrageous demand? You want to come to a deal? It's good to reduce the leverage of all sides. But when only one side is is uh, is being unreasonable, which is my view, it has nothing to do. We'll settle for any deal, reasonable or not. We just want a deal. Okay, so you you just want to put the Palestinians in a position where it's so hopeless that they they have to accept whatever we impose on them. That's your view. That would be good. Uh, well, I assume that, you know, if, if, if it achieves peace and lets them live their lives and build whatever they can build, yes. Okay. The well, world, the, I, I the, will the, let you the, go the, and explain. The Middle East has been, the, the Middle East has been the tail wagging the dog for way too long. Right. We would like that to stop. And if it means the Palestinians get a little less than they want. That's but okay part too. of the tail wagging the dog is uh, we never have been an honest broker between Israel and Palestine. We are, as as has been said by one of the negotiators himself, we have been Israel's lawyer, in effect. But it's, it's not like that that's news to anybody. Well, OK, but you just said the tail wagging the dog is the problem. Um, I'm saying any deal that can that the parties accept and that sticks is good for the world, and if it screws over the Palestinians a little, that's in in the calculus of whether it's good for the world. That's not so important. Not that it's not that it wouldn't be wrong, but they've been screwing that, over the Palestinians for decades, and it has. If that's your, your if that's what you think will will work, I've got bad news for you. If the Palestinians agree to it, it might work. That's my point. By definition, but but history tells us that that that, that when you. Uh, when you humiliate them and deny them the right to vote and deny them due process of law. And I could go 
I could go on. Uh, um, it, that so far, at least, it's it's not the case that that is successful. The Soviet the Soviet Union was humiliated by the deal that got them out of World War One, I, I believe. They managed to recover. I don't know. Uh, anyway, okay. Uh, I'm going to have to ponder that analogy. I'm going to have I'm going to have to read up on that. May one. not be the best one. Uh, but, uh, let me let me say, by the way, I, I'm not saying that the, the, the Palestinians have laid out this very clear bargaining position on two state and it's uh, entirely reasonable and uh, and the Israelis uh, have not. It's just that what is clearly the minimal demands by Israel and with the endorsement of the U.S. for a two state solution does not involve giving the Palestinians an actual state. That's that's all I'm saying. OK. Um. How did we get bogged down in the Middle East? Uh, well, I think you're, you know, you you know when when things are going slow. What what uh, the, the several best ways to troll Bob? <laughs> um, now, but I think uh, I think. Well, go, go ahead. ahead. I think you we should ahead. talk about GameStop at some point. Okay, I I I want to troll Bob a little more uh, on this same subject. I I'm not in enough uh, trouble. No, you're never in enough trouble. There's the, probably it, what, a space laser directed at my house <laughs> at this I, moment, Mickey. When I mentioned Thomas Sowell last time, you rolled your eyes. Why would you roll your eyes at the I mere mention of Thomas Sowell? I don't think uh, I rolled my eyes. If people go back and look, they will see. I said that Tom, Thomas Sowell defended Babe Ruth against Hank Aaron. And I was rolling of, my eyes about Babe Ruth. Okay. It's well, I think this was in the parrot room, was it not? Where, where I pointed out that Willie Mays would have hit more home runs than Hank Aaron it's had he possible. not spent two years in the Army and played it's in possible. a much less home run friendly stadium for a right-hander than Hank I, Aaron played in. I thought you were dissing Thomas Sowell, who is a national treasure, because he is so bitter that he was a great columnist. Also a very smart man, but he was, you know, he was, he was bitter about being, uh, a very dark-skinned black and all the light-skinned blacks at Howard University, like Patricia Roberts Harris, looked down on the dark-skinned blacks. Uh, and that makes for a great columnist. There's nothing like bitterness uh, to make for a great columnist. That's so, true. Who are, who are some other great bitter columnists? You know, there aren't um, that many who, who – I mean, most of them hide it if they're um, – we should we should we should ponder that. What about that GameStop thing, Mickey? Well, um, you know the the fashionable thing on my side of the street is to to say, um, well, that this is just the Wall Streeters comeuppance, and uh, and uh, this is the populist revolution, uh, and. I, I tend to think, no, I think it's, you know, pumping up a stock beyond its value is sort of distorts the stock market and we have a stock market for a reason. That was Josh Barrow's point, and I think he's right. And so you shouldn't lionize these uh, these people on the Reddit chat board who are boosting uh, GameStop stock. The other, the other interesting thing is, uh, is it really that separable from the regular market? Because, like, what about Tesla? Because a friend of mine made that point. Isn't maybe there a little bit of GameStop in, uh, in Tesla's Tesla, yeah. incredible evaluation? I mean, I, I, I actually bought three shares of Tesla a while ago because I walked in the rich part of town 
and there was Tesla, Mercedes, Tesla, Mercedes, Tesla, Mercedes. And I realized the market penetration of this product was unbelievable. Uh, yeah. and, but I didn't realize that the stock would appreciate a thousand percent. Okay. I think, uh, that's a little much. You know? Yeah, no, I think you're 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 right, and I, I mean the other parallel is that there's been a huge uh, amount of money invested in shorting Tesla, and so there is a little bit of a, a war between Tesla fanboys who are motivated by something other than pure analysis of, of you know Benjamin Graham type analysis of Tesla's value and the uh, the short sellers. And one of those people, one of the people, one of those people is Elon Musk, I believe. Yeah, well, he really he, hate, he really hates the shorts. Well, you would too if they were betting against your company. But well, what does he care? If the company's going to do what he's going to do. Uh, if the I, shorts, you know, I, I think um, you do a good job. The shorts I think you want lose. a high stock value for reasons other than pride. For one thing, if you have to go to the equity markets and sell part of your company, you'd like to be able to bring in a lot of money. Um, but uh, Elon Musk, Elon Musk, is such a weird. Case. I mean, maybe this is the answer to my longstanding question about him. It's like, rarely has there been someone who who ran a company and so was so synonymous with the company in terms of branding. I mean, Tesla is Elon Musk to the public, right? And yet he behaves as as if he's someone whose image doesn't matter at all. You know, he's calling some some guy in Thailand a, a, a pedophile. You know, a pedophile. He's like he he he's uh. You know, violating SEC regulations by uh, claiming he's going to go private when he's not, and they they slap him with these fines. He's he's a COVID you know he's he's a COVID truther. He, he's arguing that the numbers are hugely inflated. Um, and I guess I mean, the answer is 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 that this profile. Well, it may not be. It probably isn't. But but this profile seems to appeal to a kind of fanboy that may have played a role in keeping his his stock values high. I don't know. No, that's a good point. But um, uh, Steve Jobs was just as identified with Apple. He just he didn't misbehave. Yeah, but he didn't act like a crazy person in public. He did right. in private, apparently. Uh, he did. Oh, he would start. He would scream at people and start crying. He started crying a lot. You should read well, a, uh, Walter Isaacson's biography. Isn't that a good manly trait? Crying. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad manly trait. I haven't cried on this podcast yet. That's because I've reserved my. Uh, I haven't really the, unloaded on you yet. I can make it. I can make it happen. This is the week you were going to unload on me. You know where it's going to happen, Mickey? Oh no! Don't do that again. In the parrot room. I'm just, no, no, no. This is seriously. This is the week that I'm going to say to you. I told you so about Trump. The shit is, is it, coming down hard on it, your head, and the only people who get to see it are people in. Is it the parrot? Is room. it, it going to be a reckoning, Bob? There's going to be a reckoning. Yep. No, uh, I'm serious. I'm going to, I'm going to lay it out. This could be the end of our friendship. Okay. And you can't watch it for free. I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that. It's all on the line. So, so you say now. Wait, um, what are some other world wrestling cliches we can use? Uh, I was never a world, much of a world wrestling person. I will only the, say that there's a great song by Jill Sobu called Mexican Wrestler. I told you I, I told that to Jill Sobule. Did you tell Remember? her I said that? Yes, and she goes Mexican wrestler, huh? Oh come like, on! Like no, that's what she said. It's like that wasn't my best song, but if he likes Mexican wrestler, what the hell? 
It's the one she I'll did on it. the David Letterman show. How could she have like forgotten it? I'm sure she didn't forget it, but she wasn't. God, Invite. it wasn't like it wasn't like telling Blue Oyster Cult, "Hey, I like Fear the Reaper." They would be ready for that one. Okay, she wasn't ready for Mexican. Now, this is a famously good song. It's it's, it's a great it's, song. It's very pretty. It's funny, but it's she has really others. good. She has others. Okay, so um, um, a little, a little. The other you, thing about game. Okay, a couple quick things about GameStop. Interesting coalition here. The 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 retail investors, the little guy, getting cheered on by the socialist left and the Trump populace. Interesting bedfellows. Right. It, it's, it happens occasionally. That part's interesting, and and the the intensity of uh, at least some of these guys who are being interviewed. These these retail investors. Um, the intent, the extent to which they are motivated by hatred of these elites, and in this case, these hedge funds, um, that's interesting. The other interesting thing is how technology now allows something that it used to be you could only do if you were powerful, namely <coughs> manipulate stock prices and profit off of it. That used to be something, you know, big guys did. And now you can create like a flash mob, in effect, online. That drives this, the price upward. Now, some of the people in the mob may eventually be hurt by it, but still, the the ability to uh, to drive a price beyond any reasonable value um, is is something that didn't used to be like a grassroots uh, activity. I think the clamping down on them is going to be a big issue, and it does seem sort of it's kind uh, of offensive. They, I mean, but didn't they all lose their shirts? I mean. Not somebody all. lost. Somebody lost a total of eleven billion dollars. Well, I think Who some lost, hedge some hedge fund people lost. Was it a lot all of the money. hedge funds, or didn't the Reddit people? Aren't they left now holding the bag? Didn't, well, when a, it, when, a, when a stock goes up and down like that, there's definitely some buyers of the stock who are losing money. But uh, I think the the hedge funds lost money, and you know traditionally these short sellers have been among the powerful people who could drive uh, a stock price, I believe, because what they do is like you know they sell it short. Uh, then they, uh, you know, they go on the financial cable channels and they disclose that they're short in it, but they talk it down. And, and, uh, I, 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 I could be wrong, but I, I think, you know, sometimes they abet, uh, the decline of the stock price that they've predicted and, uh, help make it a self-fulfilling prophecy. They, they don't have to disclose if they go on TV that they're short no, on they the stock? No, they disclose, they disclose, but yeah. they still, you know... I'm short on it because the fundamentals are so bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I it's a it's a clear sign that Biden has achieved what he was supposed to achieve that we're talking about business stories. Cuz that's that's uh that, that was a sure sign uh in when when was the last time in the uh in the Clinton era when everything was going great that there was no news worth reporting was that everybody was fixated on the second level of news which is what was happening in the in the business world, which was important, but basically if there's hot political news, it'll trump the business news. So Biden has done what he's supposed to do. I mean, and the Twitter ban, we we haven't thought about Trump in two weeks. It's been such a relief. Nobody wants him back, but they're going to have to let him back. Now, here's a tweet. I mean, I would say this isn't only a business story, but I kind of take your point. It is a politics story. But here, here's a tweet from Ian Bremmer speaking of Trump and Twitter. Give me your interpretation of this. You know who Ian Bremmer is? He's, I know him slightly. He's very smart. Uh, he runs, what does he run? Is it the, I don't know. 
One of these my consulting fr- firms. My friend John Ellis is always uh, linking to him. That's all I know. Here's his tweet. Deplatforming Trump allowed the GOP to avoid holding him accountable for anything. It's the path of least resistance. Long term, these are deeply regrettable decisions. Now, are you clear on the dynamic by which deplatforming Trump? Well, because they wouldn't have held him accountable anyway. So what's that's I, kind I, of that was kind of my thinking. I mean, I, mean, I, I thought at first, I, I mean, maybe he meant. This was the punishment instead of they could say, well, he got punished or are they saying that if he had been online, he would have been such an asshole that it would have been harder for them to uh, to go back to sucking up with him because he'd be so egregious about January 6th and everything. I don't know. I think they're just saying he's they we've swept the problem under the rug and into the memory hole and we've forgotten about it. Uh, Um. Which is sort of true, but it is true that that I don't think Trump has been punished enough for January sixth and the events leading up to it. Uh, you, you want you want there should be some I other, agree. and if you were Pelosi, you would want some other punishment. Uh, but it's um, yeah. But the trouble it's, is, it's, he it's, would it's, have been punished more if they hadn't impeached him. I maintain. Really? I think the, yeah. I, I think this is this is only intensified the support of his supporters, and it has given him this chance to show his strength. That's what that's what impeachment has turned into for him—an opportunity to prove that he's still the man. Whereas if they hadn't impeached him, I just don't. And he's not on Twitter. We wouldn't be paying much attention to him. I don't think. That's it. I, I, impeachment is bad. I think because they're keeping up with it, but if they just impeached him and dropped it, just said, okay, well, he's he's out of office. He's out of office. We can't have a trial or it's a, it's imprudent to have a trial. So. Well, it's uh, a little, it's a little late for that. I mean, I mean, the, the, the the Republicans have already made the point he wanted made by being, having the occasion to vote on the legitimacy of the, uh, of the impeachment trial. Right. Now he's emphasized his hold on the party, uh, through that, but, that, I'd say if they'd stopped before that, it would have been fine. Um, I, I don't know. You speaking of platforms, I'm gonna I'm gonna play you something said by your friend Peter Navarro, high-ranking Trump official, Uber China Hawk, and and the and and almost the aside from Giuliani, the point man on the stop the steal thing, in the sense that he wrote was what was supposed to be the high gravitas report showing. Uh, what a what a fraud it all was. Um, anyway, you tell me he he apparently was suspended from Twitter a few days ago. This is him on the Bannon podcast. You tell me, um, if uh, if you're Jack Dorsey, do you take this as like a a phys- a threat of uh physical violence? I mean, it's it's clearly not in so many words, but but I'm gonna play this. Here you go. But again, I get to this analogy. I mean, think about this, Steve. Let's suppose we were in the public square instead of the digital square. And I was standing there and, and I had a, a placard that say democracy lives. Right. And Jack Dorsey walks up to me and rips that out of my hand. What do you think would happen next? He is inciting violence when he's doing this kind of thing. He is making this entire country angry at him and Twitter. And the 74 million people who voted for Donald J. Trump are getting more and more outraged at this kind of social 
critical media censorship. So I would say, Mr. Dorsey, tread lightly, sir. But I, what, do you, what do you think about that? I think it goes up to the line but doesn't cross it. Okay. He'll be glad to hear that. Uh, it, it's a false analogy because Dorsey— Yeah, because the public Dorsey, square, it, Twitter isn't the public square. Also, Dorsey hasn't r- ripped anything out of anybody's hands in an act of physical violence. Well, but he's not talking about the physical violence of the of the ripping out of the hands, I think. Well, he's yeah, stacking he, the deck. He's stacking he, the deck. Yeah, but anyway, Twitter's not a public square according to the law. That's the difference. It's it's Jack Dorsey's house according to the law. Well, there's some there's And he doesn't have to invite you in. That's there, what it there, is. There there are people who say the law should be it's changed, change, to, but it hasn't yet. And so But it could be changed by just a judicial opinion. You don't have to change it by legislation. Well, hasn't yet. Um, Twitter is in Twitter is de facto. The, it actually is the public square, whether it is as a matter of law or not. Well, we know so, it's not as a matter of law. Nobody's even tried to make a First Amendment claim in the courts against Twitter's deplatforming people. Oh, I'm sure that's been done. Well, then How they lost. Nobody's talking about it now. Oh, yeah. Well, they're talking. Sure, of course they're talking about it. They are. Well, we to, we, there's this line of cases. Uh, involving shopping centers that says shopping centers can't kick out people mm-hmm. with placards, okay? Mm-hmm. They, they, that was since reversed, I believe, and the court has shown no inclination to unreverse it. But it exists. I mean, it's a, it, it was when I was in law school, they taught that as the law. If you're a shopping center and you are a private enterprise, but you've acquired the characteristics of a public square, the First Amendment applies, okay? Mm-hmm. So it's not an insane theory. It was the law for a while. Um, okay. Uh, anyway, but so. it is not, it is not the current understanding with regard to Twitter and Facebook. By the way, I'm looking at this number. I, 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 I just saw it. I don't, I think I failed to cite the exact number. The Novavax in the UK was 89% efficient and, and, and I think effective. And, uh, you know, the global average is lower, but again, that includes like South Africa. It includes, you know, uh, places with just very different characteristics uh, from Britain. So if I get one of these vaccines, can I go on a trip? Well, this is, well, we're running out of time. Maybe I'll get it in the parrot room. This is, I have another criticism of Fauci that, that, that I will get into is they ask him, how good, you know, how, how liberated are you if you get the vaccine? And he made it sound like not at all, which I thought was uh, an answer really lacking in nuance. Well, you want people to get the vaccine, so you should say this is essential to improving your life. Exactly. He did the opposite. And I think it is. He I he mean, had the opportunity to be upbeat about it, and he wasn't. I, I will. I, I can elaborate now or in the parrot room, as you wish, Mickey. Um. What other what what elaboration is there? Well, what he said was, um, they said, I think they said, so you're, you know, you you haven't seen your daughters because of the pandemic. Now you've had your vaccine, so are you going to be able to see your daughters? And he said, well, no, because um, you know we we're, we're we're not sure. That it doesn't give you an asymptomatic, that you, that you're not going to get an asymptomatic infection. In other words, the, the idea presumably being I could still be a carrier. Well, A, I think most people think that's not likely, but leave that aside. The point is, it could, it, you know, if you're like me, I'm not, 
I'm not seeing much of my daughters, but that's because they're concerned about infecting me. I'd be happy to take the risk. And, 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 and he could have at least specified that, well, it depends on why you're not seeing your daughter. If they're afraid of infecting you, yeah, uh, that, that's, then, then you're, you're in the clear. Uh, uh, you know, assuming it, you, you have your antibodies yep. checked and it's elevated them or something, but he made it set, you know, he just, he was just more downbeat than he had to be. What if, um, yeah, what if all you care about is yourself? <laughs> you don't care about anything else. You just don't want to die. Uh, it seems well, like well, the vaccine that, makes freedom That's another answer possible. he could have given. But, but, <laughs> no. but, but the point is, in a case like his, often it's, it, the case is that the concern is about affecting the parent, not the child. And it, if that's a concern, right. then his answer was the wrong answer. Also, aren't they testing for this? I mean, I understand that that's one of the steps they skipped over in creating the vaccine. But now that they know it's, you know, it's 85 percent effective, can't they go see if it also stops asymptomatic transmission? I mean, how um, hard is that? I agree. Uh, I mean, uh, I think I agree. I don't I don't I don't know that. Uh, anyway, people aren't going to buy that. They're going to. If people get the vaccine, they're going to start moving around. I mean, they're moving around already. Yeah. And the vaccine is just going to give them more license. The idea, the idea that everybody's going to be vaccine, get the vaccine and they're going to still lock everything up seems completely to misjudge the obstreperousness of Americans. Uh, yeah. And maybe that's a risk. You don't want people to get too wild and crazy, uh, because the vaccine doesn't work. On everyone, although again, I, I think you can have your antibodies checked and get a sense. Um, anyway, and then Fauci- there, yeah, I, I suppose there's a chance of the 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 asymptomatic transmission he's talking about, but I think a lot of people say everything we know suggests that won't be a huge problem. Yeah. But so, so you think we've been talking for a while? We've been talking for over an hour. We should go and and move into the parrot room where we will discuss. I mean, I've already you know. So okay, I can't. What can we still talk about? I, 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 um, my comorbidity. Uh, do you want to talk about my comorbidity? No, you put that's for you said that was going to be for the parrot room, so you have to. I know that's what I mean. No, I'm talking I, about the parrot. I just had one more. The I went, I went to a, I, um, my stockbroker, Bob, I do have a stockbroker, uh, had a private, uh, webinar and they said supply chains are moving back to the United States. Uh, maybe not because of Trump, but because of the pandemic, which has convinced companies that having these far flung supply chains is very, very risky because they can get disrupted by disease. And the example was uh, Taiwan Semiconductors is building a plant in Arizona, which will be highly automated. But it'll be in Arizona, not somewhere else. Uh, it, so the, uh, the the mission that Trump had, which was in part to bring supply chains back from China to the United States, it's sort of happening slowly. They're definitely leaving China, and some of them are actually migrating back to the United States, and it takes decades to accomplish this. But, you know, it's a it's one potentially positive development. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I'd rather um, it be with rare earth minerals. I don't know how can it be with rare earth minerals. They're where they they are where you find they're them. Wherever right? they are, no, they're, but they're actually kind of scattered all over the globe. And you could have a concerted project to have relationships with all the countries you'd need to to ensure your supply of rare earth minerals, yeah. rather than relying so heavily on China. Isn't one of them Norway? 
I think there, there are various places. I, I don't know. I, I take that back. I don't know what I'm talking about. I take it back. Don't want to. We don't want to suck up to the Norwegians, man. That's no, that's really. Going, that is that's that going is, too far. What's the point of living if you fall in that? Low? <laughs> well, it's it's too cold for me, man. I have to put my coat back on. Um. So wh- what are we going to talk about in the pair room? I want to talk about QAnon. I've been reading a lot about QAnon. Uh, and I okay. definitely am going to say I told you so, big time. You're going to have your gonna, reckoning. And I'm you're going to beg. You're going to beg forgiveness. I'm going to beg forgiveness. Uh, I have an apology to Yasha Monk. Uh, I have, oh, uh, uh, or a semi-apology. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some comments on your apocalypse aversion newsletter. Oh yeah, we should do we should do plugs. I have some advice on from Michael Barone on a period of history that you should look at. Is he still around? I mean, of course he's around, but is he still like producing? Cuz he's older than us, isn't he? He still writes columns. They're still good columns. But he's like older than us. There's almost nobody yeah. older than us who's still alive. Is he still alive? <laughs> um Cecily Tyson just died at the age of I know ninety four or ninety nine. She was incredibly it was, old. It was it was up there. They NPR so, did a did a good. There thing are there. people older than us who are still alive, Bob. But one fewer than yesterday. That's what I'm saying. It's a trend. So, Tell me about it. Uh, so Mickey, um, okay, so Yasha Monk. What, uh, we got what, it. We got to talk the, space one lasers. Of, space. One lasers. of the one of the people who's not still alive is Jeffrey Epstein, and I have a couple of things to say about him. Oh, that's great! Great parrot room bait. Um, um, who, who doesn't? Oh, I have something to say about that. I have something to say about that in the parrot room, which you can get to via patreon.com slash parrot room. Um, also, okay, plug the other things. Yes, my newsletter, it's actually called the non-zero newsletter, although the paid version is uh, known informally as the Apocalypse Aversion Project, since that's what we're going to accomplish. Um, the uh, And there's... The Parrot Room. Have I mentioned the Parrot Room, Mickey? Did I remember to mention that? I think I did. And then there's yeah. your newsletter, Cow's Files, which is which I'm going to talk you into making a paid newsletter within the next uh, um, two, two months. My, um, one of the questions I was going to ask you is, what apocalypse are you averting? You can answer it in the Parrot Room, but maybe give us a hit now. Well, the apocalypse. What do you mean, which apocalypse? Okay. Well, there, I'll, there are many different, it could be fire. It could be ice. It could be a, a whole mm-hmm. bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so which, which apocalypse are you especially worried about? I think fire and ice are kind of tied for first place. That's, those are the two we're, <laughs> we're really targeting. That and the space lasers, lasers. from outer space. The space well. lasers. Yes. That, which I didn't even know about until Marjorie Taylor Greene. See, people, People act like she's completely worthless, but I didn't even know about the space lasers, Mickey, until her. Do they exist? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, they don't. Oh, also in the parrot room, the very special connection that I have to lasers. Very special. And I may bring up the Proud Boys at at a certain risk to myself. Well, I think once you're talking about QAnon, you might as well... Uh, move into the other contingent, p- probably most responsible for January sixth. That is really not true. Proud Boys, on? you bring up. There's a very good Wall Street Journal video article about that. I'm going to get into it now. The Proud Boys 
that, that allegedly damning. And they, there are people there who say they're Proud Boys who are part of the demonstration and they're in the first wave that, that breaks down okay. the initial barrier. They're, they're these people who identify as Proud Boys. But there are only a hundred of them, Bob, and there are 2,000 okay. people in the whole demonstration. They're not carrying guns. They're not trying to harm anybody. They're obviously just going to, like, okay. as a show of force. Look, I've seen uh, the Wall Street Journal's video on this. Okay. We will discuss it in the parrot room. For now, the headline is Mickey defends Proud Boys. No, I knew you were going to do that, Chiefs. I'm not defending the Proud Boys. They should go to jail. But uh, but they're, they're, they are not... The, the worst things about that demonstration, which is the the, uh, the 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 reasonable fear it put Congress people in that these people were hunting them down and mm-hmm. were trying to stop this vote, cannot be put on the Proud Boys on the basis of that video. They didn't talk about stopping the vote. They just talked about we're pissed off and this is a shot across the bow and next time we'll bring our guns. Okay, but they didn't bring guns this time. What about, well, I'll say this in the parrot room. Never mind. I've seen the video. I can really, uh, I have arguments to make. Great. Anti-Proud Boys arguments, which I know you find threatening. I don't find them threatening. Just, I, I, just kidding. I, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm not defensive or anything about this, Bob. I know you're not. I mean, you're why are you saying I'm defensive? I'm not defensive. I would never suggest as much. <laughs> anyway, I think you should stand back and stand by, Mickey, and told the parrot room. Okay. Um, uh, on I Twitter, admit my my defense of Trump on that is looking pretty weak. On Twitter, your cows, Mickey. I'm Robert Ryder. You know, if people want to do us a solid. They could they could click the uh you know the 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 thumbs up button on on YouTube the the smash the like button. They could even go so far as to go to iTunes and give uh, the right show some sort of rating. That reminds me. I want to talk about the Bannon uh Bannon podcast a little. Uh, aforementioned uh, room. Okay. So we'll see you there? Yep. See you there. Okay.